Hello everyone, my name is Lino Farah. Welcome to Crib Wolf Talks. On Crib Wolf Talks, we continue to produce episodes focusing on a number of topics that impact the lives of individuals with developmental disabilities, those with varied abilities, and the vulnerable population, understanding that the lack of affordable housing in the province of Ontario remains an enormous and overwhelming area of concern. Our program, Crib Wolf Talks, will continue to invite to our studio individuals from our community willing to share valuable information as to how they themselves or their organization play a role in the lives and care of individuals with developmental disabilities, varied abilities, and the vulnerable population. Speaking of guests, I'm pleased to have on our program this month a very special person, Mr. Gary Gladstone. Gary is a prominent Canadian not-for-profit executive with over 25 years experience. He's currently head of stakeholder relations for RENA and a strong community advocate addressing the housing and employment challenges faced by persons with disabilities. Gary was a federal liberal candidate in the riding of Thornhill in 2019 and 2021. He is also a husband and a proud father of two boys. Quite the list of accomplishments. Housing is a key social determinant of health and well-being. Housing is a fundamental right for all persons, including those with developmental disabilities. One size does not fit all. There is a wide range of needs which demands a wide range of options. A hundred thousand Ontario adults have an intellectual disability. An estimated 40% or 40,000 have a concurrent mental health diagnosis. At least 16,000 individuals with developmental disabilities are awaiting housing support across Ontario, their projected wait time 40 for zero years. At least 300 individuals are wrongfully placed in hospital shelters, long-term care facilities, alternative level of care. 18 to 30 percent of those in homeless shelters have developmental disabilities. In order to expand housing for those with developmental disabilities, on behalf of those we support, I would ask the following. Number one, in order for a lower tier level of government to access funds from the Housing Accelerator Fund, they must agree to allocate at least 10% of their housing funds to support this vulnerable community. Number two, the largest impediment to building more units is the expense and scarcity of lands. CMHC must modify their funding to permit not-for-profit agencies to use CMHC funds to purchase land for deeply affordable housing. In Ontario, those on ODSP can only spend a maximum 497 per month on rent, average you know is well over a thousand. And number three, additional federally owned properties must be made available to build deeply affordable housing, specifically for those with developmental disability. A nation's greatness is measured by how it treats its weakest members, said Mahatma Gandhi. Through the proposed Housing Accelerator Fund, you can ensure that Canada takes care of those who cannot advocate for themselves. Now, with your support, we need to ensure that those with developmental disabilities are never left behind again and that 10% of funds are dedicated to assist them. Gary, welcome to our program, Crib of Talks. Thanks. Pleased to be here. You look very handsome today. And I got to tell you, I just noticed that pin on you. That I believe that's, maybe you can tell the audience, you're just recipient of an award here recently, about a month ago. Yeah, that's the uh, Platinum Jubilee pin. I was awarded it by uh, Minister Mary Ng. Um, they're being awarded across Canada, and I got it for my community service work and the work with uh, intellectually and developmentally disabled, and very pleased. Well, congratulations. Thank you very uh, much. Very deserving of that. Uh, very good. 
Thanks. You know, you and I, Gary, I've had, the, I've had the pleasure of working with you and your colleagues on a, on a makings of the Intentional Community Consortium, which will be the focus of today's chat, by the way. Um, earlier on a Cribble Talks episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing your friend, Brian Keshin, President and CEO of RENA. It was a wonderful opportunity to hear Brian speak to the critical need for more multi-unit residential communities for persons with developmental disabilities, as you know. So Gary, why have you chosen to work with uh, RENA and within the special needs community? Well, to be honest, an opportunity to make a difference. The most vulnerable of the community, 90% of those with developmental disabilities live below the poverty line. Um, hundreds and thousands uh, don't have housing, don't have appropriate housing, as you would have heard from Brian. And uh, Brian and I spoke on the opportunity to speak with all levels of government and to really try and make a difference to put a consortium, the Dentional Community Consortium, together to uh, make sure that people understood. I mean, when we started, I'll joke with people that uh, the parliamentarians didn't even know how to spell developmental disabilities, never mind what it is. Mm. Now with the uh, National Housing Strategy, when it came out, the support from other levels of government, uh, we're making good progress slowly but surely, but so much more needs to be done. So you, Gary, you, can you give us some insight? I know you kind of touched on it, but more specifically on a, your role as a head of stakeholder relations for RENA organization. What does that really encompass? So I handle all government and stakeholder relations for RENA, making sure that the issues that we have, that the individuals that we support have in order to live a fuller life are brought forward to government and to advocate for change from both within and without government, working with other stakeholders, working with other organizations, making sure that uh, the needs of those that we support are well taken care of. It's now a 40-year, 4-0-year waiting list for individuals with developmental disabilities to get um, affordable housing with supports. And we've got to change that. It's crazy. 40 years. Yeah, uh, yeah we've discussed this on this program very, many, many times. It's, uh, it's horrible. So, Gary, you have been a strong advocate for housing and employment challenges faced by persons with uh, disabilities. Understanding these challenges, our audience may not know that you are currently involved in shaping a recent initi initiative, right, that RENA, along with other founding members, were instrumental in creating specifically Community Consortium, the Intentional Community Consortium, we refer to as the ICC. Mm -hmm. So Gary, please explain why was the ICC created initially? What is its mandate? the membership role, and where do you see the ICC playing an important role in advocating for change? Well, thank you. So we started when uh, Brian and I started to talk about housing and how RENA could have a significant impact. We realized RENA may be a large organization, however, we're only one, and we need more. When we go down to Ottawa and down to Queen's Park, it's more than just talking about RENA, it's talking about everybody. So the first thing we did was we started, we had a session with the Pearson Center for Progressive Policy on affordable housing with a focus on developmental disabilities, but more on supportive and affordable housing. And we hosted it at the uh, RENA community residence in Vaughan, the initial intentional community, mm -hmm. uh, back, I guess, in 2016. And from that, a um, number of other organizations came to us and said, you know what, we're here with you. We want to do something. We want to do something positive. We want to make a difference. 
So we decided we would form the Intentional Community Consortium and we welcomed anybody and everybody who wanted to build. If they wanted to build at least 20 units for those with developmental disabilities, it didn't matter what kind, what structure, just as long as 20, because the onesies, twosies are wonderful, mm -hmm. but are not going to solve the big problem. Correct. So the first thing was you needed to build at least 20 units, have a desire to do so. The second was no one knows everything, but together we know an incredible amount. So information sharing is absolutely paramount. So members of the consortium had to be ready, willing, and able to share whatever information they had in terms of their building, in terms of their moving forward with the other members to benefit the whole collective. The other was the philosophy, to make sure that government is not responsible for all funding for all housing. They have to be a major player, but you also need community support. Mm -hmm. So we very often looked at one-third, one-third, one-third. One-third from the community, from the budget, one-third from lower levels of government, uh, the province, the municipalities, and one-third from the federal government. And that was what we were always trying to do. And those that were interested in that formed the consortium. We started with six agencies, and now we're up to 26. Mm. Um, we're about to file incorporation. We were running it off the quote-unquote side of the desk with uh, the group of cooperating agencies and having tremendous impact going down to Ottawa and going down to Queen's Park, when you're not there for yourself, but you're there for a larger entity, makes a big difference. Yeah, size, uh, yeah. exactly, I yeah. agree with you. The, yeah. the more, and, the better, Yeah, it's stronger. And for sure, and we're working on chipping away, and we had some early success when the uh, Liberal government released the National Housing Strategy back in 2017. Of course, I still remember the uh, briefing, the bottom of page 10, <laughs> the right-hand corner, I remembered like yesterday, at least 2,400 units with supports for those with developmental disabilities. Um, it's a great start, light at the end of the tunnel. So I think you agree with me in this, that the fact, historically, not-for-profit organizations, small or large, funded or unfunded, often work in silos, often finding that the road to achieving their mission can be very, very difficult. So in light of this statement, could you talk to us about the concept of shared learning? Yeah, well, I'll start amongst from... Amongst the members of the ICC, which clearly could be significant, Gary. No, absolutely. So I'll start from the RENA mission statement, where it says we assist those with developmental disabilities, not only those that RENA supports with developmental disabilities, which when uh, Brian Keshen, who you mentioned, and I and those we support and their family members are speaking with government and we're speaking on behalf of the sector and we're very active in the, in the sector and mm -hmm. the provincial organizations to say this is what is needed so it's more than just us. And the sharing is crucial. We get calls on a regular basis, the initial RENA community residence and now we've just completed the Lou Fruitman RENA residence. Uh, tours galore from local, national and in international now with COVID um, sort of under control, we can have now limited tours again, uh, which is wonderful. People are coming to see what it is we're doing, how we're doing and what we're doing, and is, is it appropriate for them? Because the intentional community may not be for everybody, but we want to ensure that people have the same breadth of housing options as you and I have. Some people want to live with roommates, some people want to live in their own house, some want to live in a group home, some an apartment building, like the intentional community 
is appropriate and to give everybody the uh, same opportunity. So you, were, you mentioned the uh, mission statement on the, uh, on the website uh, for ICC. Even. Um, the current mission statement basically reads, the supply of affordable, accessible, supportive housing for people with disabilities remains less than the need, right? Absolutely. Being part of the community and living independently are among the most important values and goals shared by people with disabilities, their families and advocates. A home of one's own is, is a cornerstone of independence for people with disabilities. I like that. So I understand the ICC, the structure and the mandate of being, is being revisited, as you suggested. Can you elaborate on some of these changes and how you envision the new consortium, if that is the right word, Gary, um, be addressing the critical housing shortage and improving the quality of life for individuals with developmental disabilities? Well, I'd say rather than saying it's the new consortium, I'd say it's the grown-up version. Okay. So just um, making sure that our message is getting out there strong and wide, increasing our membership base. We're um, mostly in Ontario with one place in Quebec. We're looking at expanding across the country because the need is there and the need is great. And the larger voice that we can speak with, the greater impact that we'll be able to have with all levels of government. And it's to get everybody working together to educating the members uh, what's possible when new uh, regulations come out, when new granting programs come out, when the laws are changed, when the national housing strategy mm -hmm. came out, when things change in the provinces to make sure that everyone is aware. As uh, different uh, members start to build, make sure that everyone knows what they're doing and how they're doing because it may be appropriate. Uh, KW Habilitation, one of our members in Kitchener-Waterloo started to work with um, prefab homes uh, during the pandemic with tremendous success. So we had someone come out and speak about how to build, what to build, and what the possibilities were, and things like that, just to make sure that uh, the message is at the forefront uh, before elections. We make sure that people know how and what to speak with their uh, federal, provincial, now municipal members and keep the advocacy going. Well, you know, you mentioned KW Habilitation and Ann Billadu is doing a tremendous job and but there mm -hmm. are some members of the uh, consortium that are still in a startup stage yeah. and I believe the shared learning aspect is going to give them the information uh, that they need and the help that they need, right? But due to the critical housing crisis faced by Canadians, specifically persons with this various forms of disabilities and their caregivers, the federal Liberal government created the National Housing Strategy in 2018, mm. which mm. you spoke to. Um, what can you tell us from your own experience about this National Housing Strategy? Well, it's what? It's been four years now, right? In, in, in May, so, yeah. you know, so, you know, what are the, are the expectations being met? What a wonderful program when it was announced. And um, I and many others had been advocating strong and hard not only for the housing strategy, we didn't know something was coming out. Our ask of the government was, when you start to spend money on housing, which we believe you will, please allocate for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Understand that the need is there, and as you're spending new money, earmark some for that, but and understand that it has to be more than just four walls. The supports have to be in place as well. So when word came out that the National Housing Strategy was coming out, we um, team met and we tried to figure out what would be success when it came out. 
Well, we figured, first of all, if developmental disabilities is mentioned at all, it's a good win. We did something great. Good start. If it would have a target in there, uh, more than one, that was fantastic. So as I said, the target that came out, those with developmental disabilities were listed as a targeted vulnerable community, quite appropriately, uh, 2,400 units. As of uh, December 2020, the last results from CMHC, about 612 units had already been funded and built. And I know now that with the um, opening of the Lou Fruitman Rena residence, that's more units. Rena also um, just got approval for the Frankfurt Family Rena residence in the city of Toronto, 19-story apartment building. We're very pleased that hopefully we'll be breaking ground in uh, late summer, early fall of 2023, which coincidentally is Rena's 50th birthday next year. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. So uh, looking forward to that. So the numbers are uh, growing. There is a huge difference. Announcements are being made on a regular basis now. Way more needs to be done. There's still about 14,000 in Ontario alone that we figure on the waiting list. Uh, we have a plan that uh, we're speaking with the provincial government on the same way that the federal government allocated units in the national housing strategy when the Ontario and the federal government are renegotiating parts of how to spend those funds. We're asking that 10% of those funds provincially be earmarked to those with developmental disabilities. So when you say they, you mean the, the ICC or the Intentional Community Consortium or the, the yes. going yeah. forward, right? Yeah. I mean, 2,400, Gary, you and I have spoken on, on this topic many times, but 2,400 units nationally, so mm -hmm. our, reader, our viewership should know that, that is not a lot for you know, spread across 10 provinces, although Ontario is the most dense of, of those provinces mm -hmm. and requires probably the most units. Having said that, um, how involved will the new ICC, I call it the new ICC, will be the National Housing Initiative, will be involved in this National Housing Initiative? Extremely so, yeah. Okay. Uh, the members continue to build, continue to make use of the resources available, in this case through CMHC, and the continual lobbying and advocacy work with the federal and provincial governments to say, thank you for the good start. It's only the start. We need to continue. We need to continue. And I should say that in the housing strategy itself, it says at least 2,400. And my and our goal is to make sure that the at least is always <laughs> referred to. <laughs> now, you know I'm going to ask you this next question. You know, uh, with your extensive political experience, both on the provincial and federal level, how do you see the new ICC, you know, how will it affect change and garner the attention and investment required from all levels of government? Well, I have to tell you, it all starts with one. So it starts with one agency knocking on the door. It starts with one parent knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. It starts with one supported individual knocking on their door of their local councillor, of their local MPP, of their local member of parliament saying, hi, this is an issue I'm not sure you're aware of. This is the situation. As I indicated, 90% of those with developmental disabilities live below the poverty line. 18 to 30% of those in homeless shelters have developmental disabilities. Fifty percent of those with developmental disabilities have comorbidities in health, the vast majority mental health issues. Sixty-five percent 
of women, I'm sorry, a woman with developmental disabilities has a 65% more chance of being sexually abused than other. And a lot of that goes back to the core need of safe, secure, affordable housing with the appropriate supports. So my ask of you, which you've heard me on more than one occasion, and everybody listening, is get involved, get engaged in politics with whatever party, with whatever politician, with whatever counselor, etc. you wish to support, and make sure they know that this is something that's important and why it's important. And the ICC has the resource materials that others can use to help with the advocacy work. And that's how change happens. Very good. You know, I really do hope that the ICC will grow in, in its new form, whatever, however it transpires. Um, because I was honored to be with you at uh, years ago when we went to Ottawa mm -hmm. as uh, to that conference. I think you were yeah. instrumental in, in that whole proceed, that whole the happening there at the at the in Ottawa and uh, the whole uh, itinerary. And uh, to get you know the voice, it's all about vo your voice, right? And there were so many voices there that that day in Ottawa, you know, and that's what it takes. It takes. Uh, you mentioned it starts with one, but when a group of people get together and voice their mm -hmm. opinion, maybe we'll get uh, the attention we deserve, right? Yeah. And get so the days that you're mentioning, we had days on Parliament Hill, and now we'll finally be able to start them again, where the agencies from the Intentional Community Consortium, as well as the individuals we support and their families, came out to Ottawa and we met with the parliamentarians and we met with the MPs and we met with the ministers and we had receptions and the ministers came out and the MPs came out and they were there for the support. They understood what the situation was. Uh, there was discussion during question period um, in the House federally as to what was happening, what could be doing, what more could be done and there was great recognition and we have to keep on the pressure. It's a big thank you for what has been done and a continual ask to make sure that more is done so the at least grows and grows and the support is always there. Well, I think creating awareness is huge, right? I mean, the more people know about the, the, you know, the issues uh, faced by families, individuals with developmental disabilities and their families and their, their caregivers, their aging population, what, 9.3 million people, the last statistics mm -hmm. I, I read, that are over 65 or 60. Yeah, and, and, and what we're finding and now, what we're finding now is Crises are coming from parents who have taken care of their children with developmental disabilities themselves are now aging. So this is also the first generation where individuals with developmental disabilities are aging into ripe old age. Mm -hmm. So um, in the past you could almost guarantee that the parent would outlive the child. Now with proper supports, better health conditions, etc., that's not happening, thank God. So as the parent is aging 70, 80, 90, their aging child with developmental disabilities that they've been caring for 50, 60, 70 years old is now getting harder and harder for the 80, 90 year old to care for. And that's where more issues are happening. When the older parent um, perhaps has a knee replacement, perhaps has a stroke, God forbid passes away, I mean it happens to all of us. But that's when the individual that they were supporting needs the help and we need to make sure that there's the housing there, that there's the proper place for them to be able to grow and live independently as possible in society with the proper supports. Well said. So Gary, uh, if there's one final message you'd like our audience to hear, what would that be? 
Well, this is, timeliness is everything. On October 24th is the municipal election in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Get involved. Talk to your mayor, talk to your councillor, those that have regions, <coughs> excuse me, and make sure that they're aware that this is an important issue to you and what it is you need. And we need them to zone appropriately for housing with supports. We need the funds to be available that come down from the federal government and the provincial government to use for supportive housing, assistive supportive housing. Because through ODSP, as you know, <clears throat> there's not that much funds available for housing, so we need additional support. Well said. Well, you know what? I really enjoyed speaking with you today. I'm sure my audience, uh, our audience will also uh, will be pleased to hear your message and your strong message and your, and your advice to everyone. Get involved. Talk Thank to your MP. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was truly a pleasure having Gary Gladstone from the Reen organization on this episode of Crib Wolf Talks. We'll certainly invite Gary to be our guest once again on our program to update us on the progress being made by the grown-up ICC, as Gary phrased it. Gary, my friend, you are an excellent communicator and a person who I believe brings positive energy to the special needs community, and I know to be well-versed in the political landscape. To our audience, thank you for watching or listening to today's program. This program and any of our previous webcasts or podcasts are all posted on our website, cripplefftalks.com. You can also find us on various social media platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, and on the Kojiko Community Channel. Should you wish to be part of a future webcast or podcast, please write to us at info at cribwolftalk.com. Thank you to Sendlinks.com, Starshot Ventures, Rapid Dose Therapeutics, and Element Nutritional Sciences for your sponsorship. Cribwolf Talks is growing. Our viewership continues to grow. If you liked our show, join our sponsorship team. As a corporate sponsor, you will affect change, you will engage with the community, and will show your support for individuals with developmental disabilities, varied abilities, and the vulnerable population. Reach out to us for sponsorship details by writing to info at cribwolftalks.com. We love to hear from you. Thank you to our guest, Gary Gladstone, our Cribble Talks production team, Kojiko, and to our dedicated viewership. I'm Lino Farah. Be well, stay safe, and remember, those who cannot help themselves need our help.